Welcome to the Every Nation New Jersey podcast. Every Nation is a Bible-believing, multi-ethnic, non-denominational church hoping to transform the world one life at a time. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Hey, good morning, Every Nation New Jersey. God bless you. PA here, Pastor Adam Burt, and I'm so excited you would choose to spend your Sunday morning here with us at Every Nation New Jersey. And so we are in uh, deep into our series. We've just called The Beautiful Mess, and we're taking a journey through 1 Corinthians. And today we're going to be in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 7. And the Apostle Paul is going to have much to say about singleness and marriage today. And so that brought me back to uh, my wedding. Like my, my wife Susan and I, we got, we got married very young. We were 20 years old and uh, it was a pretty big wedding too. We had like 250 guests, and uh, but but here's what I, re- I remember: like uh, my premarital uh, counseling that that uh, our pastor, sweet sweet old gentleman by the name of Pastor Carl, old old uh, German man, deep thick accent, and but he was like old school. And I just, I still to this day can remember the awkward uh, uh, sex counseling, the sex talk prior to marriage, right? And and he says to me, Adam. He says, uh, when you learn, your wife is like a piano. And when you learn to play her, you will make beautiful music. And I'm like, dude, I still to this day don't know what you're talking about. And uh, anyways, it was weird and confusing. <laughs> but uh, and, and I can remember too, like, like this is back in the day, man. And I was rocking the white tuxedo. Had tails on the back. I was, I was scoping the, the mullet, man. You know, business in the front and party in the back. And looking good, man. I was, I looked like Lloyd Christmas on Dumb and Dumber. And, <laughs> and then I can remember my, my sweet wife, Susan, she had her dress made. And it was funny, uh, a few years back, we were going through our wedding album. Yeah, that used to be a thing. Everything wasn't just on video, right? And, and we, we opened up this old wedding uh, album and our, my daughters were looking through it. And they look at my, my wife and her dress and, and my, my one daughter, she goes, mom, uh, no offense, but, but you were kind of ugly. <laughs> oh, none taken, sweetheart, right? <laughs> so, uh, and, uh, and, and here was the, my nightmare on, on my wedding day is, you know, I'm there. My wife, uh, my fiance, Susan, is 45 minutes late to the wedding. I'm like, she didn't stand me up, did she? You know, and anyway, we, we rolled through the wedding and, and get this, there was this moment during the ceremony, 250 people in the church and where our backs were to the to the audience, and then uh, the the pastor made us kneel. And the moment I kneeled down, uh, the entire church exploded in laughter. Come to find out that my best man had wrote the words "Help me" on the bottom of my shoes, and so everyone uh, started cracking up laughing. But I say all that to say this: is you know what today? See, uh, Paul wants to be helpful as we look at 1 Corinthians uh, uh, chapter 7, and, and, and I want to be helpful today as well. And um, just uh, before we get going, because when we talk about singleness and marriage, I just know that there's a number of people where this could land differently. Like, I want to just recognize the fact, you know, that there is a number of single people out there that long to be married and can be frustrated or lose hope. I know that there's some of you that, that you've lost your spouse before, and so this might land uh, a little differently. And so I just want to say I, I recognize you there. Then I know that there's some of you that, that you've been been divorced, and, and you're like, hey, been there, done that, not interested in marriage. I'm, I'm, I'm cool where I'm at. And uh, maybe some of you are in a hard spot 
in your marriage. So I hope you find this helpful. And, and maybe your marriage is just doing great today. And so uh, I pray that, that you would just kind of store this message away uh, for, for later in life, all right? And so that's where we're at. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I want to start and just read verses 1 through 5. And Paul says this, Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, and then he put in quotes, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations uh, with a woman. And so this is the Corinthian church. They've actually, they've, they've confused some of the, the teaching around sex that, that Paul had uh, used. And so he needs to correct that. Verse 2, he says, but because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another. Do not deprive one another. I'm going to say it again. Do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time, that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again, so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. And so Paul's addressing uh, this, this question around sex, and there, there was some false teaching saying, hey, no, we should never have sex, you know, unless we're just trying to have children, and da-da. And, and if you recall last week, Paul had, uh, talked about, uh, spoke about uh, sex as well, and if you're wondering why he's talking about it so much, listen, um, if the church doesn't talk about it, man, everybody else is. And so I would rather be discipled by the word of God uh, than the world around me. And so Paul is highlighting the fact that, that listen, sex is a powerful tool. And, and, and when used the right way, it can be powerful for good. And we spoke last week about the reality that, man, that sex uh, is great for procreation. And it was God's idea. He said, what? Be fruitful and multiply, right? And so uh, do you know how that happens, right? Praise God. And uh, that, that sex is, is, well, it's for pleasure, um, that there's an entire book celeb- celebrating uh, the sexual experience between a husband and a wife. It's called the Song of Solomon. And, and, and Solomon's going to say this, take your fill, you lovers, right? Um, that, that sex is also a powerful tool for comfort. We read uh, David and Bathsheba uh, when their, their illegitimate child died uh, at birth. And, and what happened? That it says later that David and Bathsheba would come together, lay together, and comfort one another. And she would conceive and bear a son by the name of Solomon, which means peace. And so sex can be uh, used for comfort as well. Notice what we read today is, is uh, Paul says it's great for protection, for protection in your marriage. And he, he says, man, it's important to have a vibrant sex life uh, to, that, that you might protect your marriage. And he says, only abstain uh, for a season that you both agree upon, but then come together, he says, so Satan doesn't tempt you. And so um, uh, so this is Paul's appeal. And, um, and, and I need to dispel uh, some myth here. So let me just go on a, a one-minute rabbit trail. Uh, did you know that uh, African elephants uh, poop uh, about 80 pounds per day. And uh, the reason why I mentioned that is because uh, I think the lie uh, uh, in the world 
uh, that that somehow that that man singles and swingers and all this stuff uh, uh, have a better sex life than married people people is a bigger pile uh, than that African elephant takes. Okay, because it's not true. Uh, all the research and the studies uh, and the polls are going to say this. You know that married couples uh, are having more sex and more satisfying sex. All right. So now back to our message, right? And so I, I remember uh, early in my marriage, uh, my wife and I got onto a book that for me uh, was pivotal uh, in my marriage. And many of you have heard of this, Gary Chapman's The Five Love Languages. Get this, it's been a New York Times bestseller since 2007. So that's how much uh, helpful this book has been uh, for, for people. And, and so uh, I, I, we can go over like the five love languages that, that Gary Chapman says. He says there's, there's uh, words of affirmation, there's physical touch, uh, acts of service, there's quality time, uh, and gifts. And so, so these, these are like five love languages that are predominant in people's life. And, and so I, I want to help the ladies out there, all the wives that are tuning in right now. Can I just tell you something, ladies? Uh, men are unbelievably simple, not complex. And, uh, and probably, in the, as long as I've been uh, working with marriages, probably 95% of all men, um, their top two love languages are, are words of affirmation and physical touch. And so, ladies, if you want to uh, fill up your man uh, uh, full of uh, their love language, uh, all you got to do, make love to him and tell him he's awesome. And I promise you, that fool will do whatever you want, okay? <laughs> and, and it's just true. Now, I'm going to speak to my husbands out there today. Uh, husbands, you're going to have to do a little bit of extra work because uh, women are a bit more, I'll just use the word complex, uh, than men. And so, um, uh, in fact, it's funny, Amazon, you know, they have a 130-page book, Everything Men Know About Women, and all 130 of the pages are blank. <laughs> and so, so husbands, you're going to have to study your girl, man, to begin to study or be a student of your wife. What fills her? Maybe a great thing to do would be to, to sit down with your wife today. Uh, and, and just ask her about her five love languages and how you can do a better job of filling up her love tank. And so uh, uh, I need to highlight as well, you know, it says this, and this should have caught your attention. Uh, Paul says, your body is not your own. And so uh, for both husbands and wives this morning, I want to tell you this, don't weaponize that verse. Don't, do not weaponize that verse. Um, but uh, I, I do want to highlight this because sometimes, man, guys are like, hey, honey, you can have my body <laughs> for sure. Uh, but uh, fellas, that also means this, that your body is not your own. And so your wife has every right to say, get off the couch, put down the remote, put down the video games and bro, serve your wife, serve your family. I just, I just believe this, man, that great husbands should go to bed uh, with, with tired bodies and full souls. Um, in fact, um, I, I begin my day, I have a series of confessions that, that I remind myself each and every morning. And, and, and I say this one every morning, I love my wife Susan and will lay down my life to serve her. That's my daily confession. And it's not because I'm awesome, it's just the opposite. It's because I know I'm not awesome and I need to remind myself that God calls me uh, to serve my wife. And so, Paul's going to go on. Let's look at in verses 6 through 9. Paul says this, Now as a concession, not a command, I say this, 
I wish that all were as I myself am. And so Paul is a single man. He says, but each has his own gift from God. Highlight that. Uh, one of one kind and one of another. To the unmarried and to the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn uh, with passion. And so did, did you see that? That Paul, he says this, um, there, there's two types of gifts. He says there's the gift of singleness. Yes, he called it a gift. And there's the gift uh, of marriage. And so God gives both of these gifts. And so uh, I still remember um, uh, back in the day, um, this is back man, when video cameras were kind of new and they were like the size of kind of movie cameras you see in the studio now today. They're not like on your phone. And, and so I remember I wanted to videotape for my parents, uh, my daughters at Christmas time and opening their gifts from grandma and grandpa because they couldn't be there with us on Christmas morning. So I remember I got my, my, my VHS out and I'm, I'm filming and, and here's what happens. Um, uh, my, my daughters open first and, and they get like books or something from my dad and they're like, books? We don't want books. And I'm like, oh my goodness, we'll have to edit that out, right? And then the greatest is my, my, uh, my, my dad's uh, wife uh, would always buy my, my wife, Susan, a turtleneck. And my wife hates turtlenecks. And she's like, if I get another turtleneck, and she opens it up, and sure enough, there's this turtleneck, and she's like, mm. and so we actually disposed of that film. And, <laughs> and so how many, much like my, my wife and my, my daughter's they got some gifts that, that they don't want. And, and there might be some, some of you single folks out there this morning that you're, you're like single and you're like, hey, God, I don't want that gift. And some of you uh, may be married and you're like, God, I want to return this gift. Okay, it's not what I thought it would be. And so um, uh, let's, let's speak to singles here this morning because Paul does. Uh, really, he celebrates uh, singles uh, throughout 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And so uh, let, let's go on reading verses 27 and 28 that uh, Paul says this. He says, are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles, and I would spare you that. Paul's like, hey, if you get married, there's going to be some difficult things. And, um, and so I can remember... Uh, as well, my, my, uh, the pre-marriage counseling we heard, and, and, and our pastor, Pastor Carl, he's like, he's like, listen, marriage can be the closest thing to heaven on earth or hell on earth. And I was like, thank you, you know? <laughs> but, uh, but, but here's what I think you, you can't help deny. Listen, all of us are fixer-uppers. All of us are broken people, sinners in need of a Savior, and, and you bind two sinful people together, and you say, until death do us part? How I many know oh, that's, that's a, a powder keg? That's, that's fireworks are going to happen at some point uh, along the way. And, and, and as well, I, I want to dispel this uh, Jerry Maguire myth, right? You complete me. Man, there's no uh, human being that, that's going to be able to complete you. Fill what, what Solomon says, eternity, uh, that's in your heart. And so while your spouse can't complete you, you know what they can do? That, that God can sanctify you through your marriage. And I, I tell you this. So I don't know, uh, the, the word character, it literally means to etch. And so God, God will use your marriage, your spouse, like a chisel. It's like, I, I never realized how selfish I am uh, until I got married. 
Uh, I, I, you never realize how proud you are uh, until you're married. Uh, you never uh, realize how self-absorbed you are until you get married, right? And so uh, I try to encourage young people with this, and I don't know if it's an encouragement, but do you know that, uh, that every wedding is a funeral? Like at my wedding, there was both a wedding and a funeral. See, uh, uh, see single Adam had to die so that married Adam uh, could live and thrive. And so every wedding is both a wedding and a funeral. And so um, as well, I, I need to destroy some, some other myths out there, and that is the, the mythical one, right? Um, that there's some person out there that's just the perfect one for me, and that's like, uh, like looking for a unicorn or a leprechaun. You're just not going to find it. And, and here's why I know is, so my wife Susan and I, we've been married for 33 years. And, you know, we were giggling about it the other day. Is like, do you know that, that Susan and I, over those 33 years, we've probably been four different people. And so if the one uh, in your 20s is not going to be the one you're going to have uh, in your 30s or your 40s because uh, marriage changes you. Um, here's what else. Children change you. Here's something else. Age changes you. And so we've been at least four different iterations of ourself. Um, and I'll say this as well um, after 33 years of marriage. Is this, you know that there's been some seasons that have just been beautiful, wonderful, and easy. And then there's been other seasons that have been scary, that, that have been difficult, that, that we ask ourselves, we're like, oh my gosh, are we going to make it through uh, the season? And, and that's why it's so important, you know, at each and every wedding I perform, I remind uh, these, these, this um, man and woman that Ecclesiastes said this, that a three-stranded cord is not easily broken. And so between uh, the husband and the wife, we need that third cord. And, and that is a relationship with Jesus Christ. So that the difficult seasons, we say bound together and we can work through uh, our junk uh, in our marriage. Let's go on. First Corinthians uh, chapter 7. Let's look at verses 29 uh, to 31. Paul says this. He says, uh, this is what I mean, brothers. Uh, the appointed time has grown very short. So Paul's saying this, hey, there's, there's an urgency to life. We don't know when the Lord will be returning. And he felt like it was going to be soon. And so he goes, he says, from now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none. And those who mourn as though they were not mourning. And those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing. And those who buy as though they had no goods. And those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing uh, away. And so, um, Paul, like, you can feel there's an urgency that Paul feels. Like, he's like, the time is short. Um, there, there's an urgency because he's like, hey, there are people dying and going to eternity in hell. And so he felt this urgency, and, and it's for that urgency of the mission of God that he was like, hey, man, I think it would be better if you stayed single. In fact, even if we look at the life of our Lord Jesus Christ, that Jesus, he chose to be single. Because in fact, he had, he had three years of his ministry where he had to save the entire world. And so to, for him to take a wife and have children uh, uh, as a man, how many know he would, he would have made a difficult situation even more difficult? And so Jesus, his singleness uh, served him well and as well served us well. And so... Uh, uh, as, but here's what I, I want to encourage my singles here this morning that are, are believing to be married. 
that as Jesus, man, he just put the pedal down for three years, that he uh, pursued his father's mission. How amazing is it that on mission, Jesus found his bride. His bride is none other than the church. And so uh, I, I think if you look throughout your Bible, you know what's uh, amazing? Do a little study uh, on your own. Do you know, man, how many men found their spouse at a well? Do you know that, that well was the place uh, of service? Like, like Moses met his wife Zipporah at a well. That, that Jacob uh, met his wife uh, at a well. That Isaac met his wife uh, at a well. And so we see this. See, because the well was the place of service. And as you and I, man, uh, uh, as we are on mission, pedal down for God's mission, and, and with others who serve, man, I just want to encourage you out there, if you're believing for a spouse, that you might just find them at the well, at the place of service. Let's go on. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 32 to 35. Paul says this. He says, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. And his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure, get this, your undivided devotion to the Lord. And there we have it. Like this is the gift of singleness that Paul says you got this, this season, this moment of your life where you can give God your undivided devotion. Because uh, when you get married, you, your, your devotion is divided. When you have children, it gets divided again. Like uh, when you're single, your time is yours. Your money is yours. Your body is yours. Your activities are yours. But man, you get married, you need to drop the why. And now uh, your, your time is no longer yours, it's ours. Your money is no longer yours, it's ours, <laughs> right? Your body is no longer yours, it's ours, right? So on and so forth. And then if you have kids, it just divides again and again and again. And so this, uh, when you have, uh, you're in a season of singleness, it's that season, man, where you can put the pedal down, go full door and make a difference. Undivided devotion. And uh, I just thought this was so fun as I was thinking through this idea uh, of pedal down. And do you know we have uh, probably the two great leaders uh, of our New Testament are the Apostle Peter and the Apostle Paul. But here's what's fascinating. Do you know that Paul was married? Or, excuse me, Peter was married. And here's what's so funny. Coming out of the four Gospels, like Peter was first amongst the twelve. And, and you just had all this anticipation that he was going to do amazing things into the New Testament. And then it's interesting. It's, it's like he doesn't become, he's not the leader of the church in Jerusalem, that James actually becomes the leader. That we see that, that Peter has writes a couple letters and it's almost as if he fades into the dark, right? And so he, he, had, he had divided devotion as he, he was a, a husband. We don't know if he had kids or not. But, uh, and now let me contrast that with Paul. That Paul uh, was, was single, as best we can tell. And Paul, man, he just put the pedal to the metal, man. Like Paul, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament epistles. That, that Paul was planting churches all over the known world. That he was raising up disciples. Men like, like Luke, 
Titus and Timothy. That, that In fact, in Acts chapter 19, it says this, that everyone in Asia had heard the gospel because of Paul. Like, that's legit, man. And, and even, you want to take it a step further? That it also says in, in Acts 19 that, that there were seven sons of Sceva. They were these Jewish exorcists, and, and they were casting out demons uh, in the name of Jesus that, that Paul preaches. And the demons say this, Jesus we know, and we've heard of Paul. Man, that, that, that Paul got after it so much that even the demonic world knew, man, this, this guy Paul is getting after it. And so uh, I, would, I want to encourage uh, my single folks out there watching this uh, here this morning. Man, live um, and with undivided de- devotion to Jesus. Like you have this rare time to put the pedal to the metal. Do you know what the New York Jets, uh, the, the team saying is this, all gas and no break. And for you in this season of life, all gas and no break. Um, now I want to take just a moment and speak to my married couples out there. And so uh, for, for if, you're, if you're married here and, and watching this, can, can I take you back to the beginning this morning? And I mean the very beginning. Because back in Genesis 1, in the creation narrative where God's creating everything there is, you should notice that there's this pattern uh, of complementary opposites that when put together, God says it's good. He's like, like, like he's got the sun and the moon, and he says they're good. He's got uh, the, the day and night, and it's good, right? He's got, um, he's got the, the skies and the firmament, and, and they come together, and they're good. You have the land and the sea. They come together, and they're good. And then he creates the man and the woman, and he puts them together, and he says, this is very, very good. And so, um, you know, it, it, uh, when I do weddings, I'll, I'll inevitably uh, reference uh, Genesis chapter 2 and um, it's, it's the first wedding between Adam and Eve. And, and if you remember the story, it's like God says it's not good for, for man to be alone. And so he knocks Adam out and he, he takes a rib from his side and, and he forms and he fashes Eve. And then when Adam wakes up, he's like, he says, at last, uh, woman, this is flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone. This is the one, all right? And, and, and in Genesis uh, 2, 24 and 25, uh, we, we read uh, about these, these four pillars uh, to marriage. And, and it, it reads like this. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. And so um, I, I want to give to you what, uh, these four pillars uh, uh, about, about marriage. And I'm totally ripping this off from uh, Pastor Jimmy Evans. Uh, and so uh, let, let me give you, the, the first one is this. For all my married folks out there, uh, the law of priority. Did you notice um, it says that, that you're to leave your father and your mother and, and then uh, cleave to or cling to uh, your wife? And it's this idea uh, up until this time as you're a, a young man or woman, your mom and dad are the, uh, the, the number one relationship in your life. But when you get married, there's a switch uh, in that relationship. Obviously, our relationship with God is number one, but our, but our earthly relationship, that number one relationship, uh, the priority is our spouse. Like our spouse comes before everything. I'm going to tell you this, man, kids are good, but your spouse comes before, right? 
Listen, mom and dad, um, if you show any kind of favoritism over your kids, over your spouse, man, your kids will tear your marriage uh, apart. Uh, don't do it, okay? And um, uh, how about this? Like, like um, uh, your spouse is before your job. Your spouse uh, is before um, money. Your spouse is before leisure, so on and so forth. Like, like all these other things are fine and good, but um, your spouse is the priority of your life. And so it might be real good. Maybe you could take some time today to, to go out uh, with your husband or your wife and, and just ask them, hey, baby, how, how am I doing at prioritizing you? Do you feel like you're number one in my life? Um, let's look at the, the next law is this. So there's the law of priority. Number two is the law uh, of pursuit. And so notice that it says you leave your mom and dad and then you hold fast to your wife. I like the King James Version. It says to cleave. In the Hebrew, it, it means to vigorously pursue, right? Isn't that awesome? Like you're to vigorously pursue your spouse. But but here's what's so damaging is, hey, before we're married, man, how many know that pursuit is on, right? Man, dudes, dudes are like hunters, man. If you're like, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna win. I'm gonna, I'm gonna beg this girl to be my wife, right? And and so you're out pursuing, pursuing, ladies. Uh, you're very good at being caught, right? And so you're kind of got your hair dialed up all the time. You're a little flirty, doing all that kind of stuff. Guys are whining and dining and flowers and all that kind of romantic stuff. And, and what happens? Then you get married, and all the cleaving stops, right? <laughs> There's no more vigorous pursuit. Dudes like watching the, the third time Sports Center. Da 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 da. Man, the, the, your your wife, she like she hasn't washed her hair in a month, or you've never seen her with makeup ever since the wedding day. And <laughs> unfortunately, that that's what can happen. And, and man, you need to pursue your spouse. Man, it's just the beginning of the pursuit uh, on the wedding day. And so, I'm so uh, frustrated. I've mentioned this before, but you know, uh, uh, over in the UK. <clears throat> that the number one reason for divorce is no longer infidelity. Now it's this. They said, we fell out of love, which is the biggest pile of you-know-what I've ever heard. It's like somebody saying, oh, I don't know, I just fell out of shape, right? No, you stopped working at it, uh, and then you got fat. In the same way, man, you stopped working at your relationship, pursuing your spouse, and what happens? Man, the love, it begins to dwindle. And so pursue your spouse. Um, here's the, 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 the other one is this. Here's uh, law number three is this. The law of possession. The law of possession or oneness. Remember we read it. It says that the two shall become one flesh. That Paul uh, reinforces this when he says your body is not your own. In fact, Paul furthers this idea in Ephesians chapter 5. He says, husbands, he says, uh, love your wife. Uh, like you, he says, like you would nourish and cherish your very own body. And so, so husbands and wives, listen to me, like it, the two have become one. You are one body. And so I know there's, there's times if, if, if I, I got to ask myself, hey, am I hungry? A am I thirsty? Uh, am I hurting? Am I tired? And, and in the same way that we're attentive to our own physical body and physical needs, Oh man, we need to be attentive to our spouse. Like, like, how is she doing? Is she hurting? Is she hungry? Is she tired? Is she thirsty for more, right? So on and so forth. And so are you attentive to your spouse just like you are your own daily bodily needs? And then the, the fourth and final law is the law 
of purity. It says this, that, that they were naked and they felt no shame. Like there is the security to be honest and real, to have open lines of, of communication. And so how, do you, how are you and your spouse communicating? Are you doing a good job at the law of purity, keeping this open uh, conversation? So there's a guy, uh, Dr. John Gottman. He's actually an expert uh, in marriage and relationships. And, and listen to this. He, with 94% accuracy, at one sitting can tell a couple uh, whether or not they're getting divorced or not. 94%. And here's what he talks about, too. He talks about the, whole, the four horsemen of the beginning of the end as it pertains to communication between a husband and a wife. You ready for this? These are the four horsemen of the apocalypse, man, as it pertains to communication. This is the beginning of the end if, number one, um, criticism. If there's heavy criticism in the conversation, it's the beginning of the end. Uh, here's the number two is this. If there's contempt, right, that you're looking down uh, on your spouse, it's the beginning of the end. Uh, number three is defensiveness. It's No, it's you, it's you, it's you. It's never about you. It's always your spouse's issue. Uh, and then fourth and finally, uh, the beginning of the end is, is stonewalling when you just disengage and don't even engage uh, at all. And so um, those are the... the, the um, just the beginning of the end to our marriage if we don't learn to communicate well. And so uh, I, I want to close with just these, these last two thoughts uh, around this. Um, you need to create space in your marriage where you can work on your marriage and not in it, right? And man, the, we're, we're just going a million miles an hour between, man, be it the kids, our jobs or whatever, where both spouses are working, so on and so forth. And it's like you're just going in circles all the time and you can never address root issues in your marriage. So create space and margin where you and your spouse can get together and work on your marriage, not in it. Uh, I've shared this for years. My wife, Susan, and I, I'm going to save you uh, hundreds and thousands of dollars of marriage counseling, right? We just do this thing called porch time where, where we create space, where we work on our marriage, where we're talking about areas maybe that, that we're, we're longing for or areas that, that we feel hurt in, but it's never an attack. It's working on the marriage, not attacking one another. It's been extremely helpful and fruitful to us. And here's my, my second appeal, and we'll close with this. Um, become an expert uh, in your spouse's strengths, not their weaknesses. Like, I, I promise you that, that what you celebrate, uh, your spouse will duplicate. And so become an expert in your spouse's strengths. Call them out, and I promise you, what you celebrate, they will begin to duplicate, and it'll build. Rather than complaining about what they're not doing or what you don't have, man, celebrate what you do have and what they are doing, and, and watch your marriage begin to blossom and to flourish. Uh, let's pray. Lord, I thank you just for our time together, and Lord, I, I just uh, I want to pray uh, for our singles here this morning. Lord, I pray that they would, they would uh, Lord, just feel celebrated. I pray that they would just, Lord, embrace this season, uh, Lord, of devotion uh, to you, undivided devotion. Lord, I pray for those that are, are discouraged as they've been waiting uh, for a husband or a wife. Lord, I pray that you would restore hope and may you encourage them. Lord, may they find the one uh, at the well that you have for them. Lord, I pray for those that, that, are, that are divorced or maybe have lost a loved one. Lord, that, that you would comfort uh, and encourage. And I want to pray uh, for our marriages this morning, for our couples, those that are struggling and just hanging on by a thread. Lord, I pray just these, uh, the spirit of humility and these simple little points 
God, may they help breathe life uh, into our marriages. And so, Lord, we thank you uh, for all of this and believe you for it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, come on, amen uh, and amen. Listen, the sermon's over with, but we're not quite finished. I, uh, I want to encourage you that you, know, you can remain faithful in your tithing and giving. And so if, if Every Nation New Jersey is your church, or we've blessed you in any way and you would like to be a blessing back, uh, there's three ways that, that you can give. Number one, you can go to our website, encnj.org, and just hit the giving icon. Uh, or you can give via text. Uh, my family and I give this way. Uh, if you just text the letters ENCNJ to the number 77977, it's a very convenient and fast way to give. Uh, or you can mail in uh, your check or money order right here to our church offices at 101 Gibraltar Drive, right here in Morris Plains, New Jersey. And may God richly bless you uh, as you give. And so listen, every nation, Jesus loves you, and I think you're pretty amazing too. Have a great week. to the Every Nation New Jersey podcast. For more information on our church, or if you'd like to give a financial gift, just go to our website, emcnj.org.